Hey, it's Mike Gill from Believe in Eagles. Don't forget, like, rate, review, and subscribe to the Believe in Eagles podcast. And make sure you check back to the Believe in Eagles feed each and every day for the very best on the Eagles. Here's today's conversation. John McMullen, one of the hosts of Birds 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel, set to give us some more insight on what the thinking of the Eagles is with the way they're building this staff, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. We'll get his thoughts on that. Kellen Moore, Vic Fangio, and a more veteran staff. That is for sure, John. They are certainly getting uh, a more veteran staff here, including some guys who, uh, or at least one, uh, who have defensive coordinator backgrounds here. So the message seems clear, that we need more experience on the coaching field and in those rooms. I mean, uh, is that a pretty clear message for you? Yeah, no no doubt about it. And that's sort of the pendulum theory when you go one way and they went with coordinators with very little experience um, at the pro level. Um, you know, Sean Desai had one year. Brian Johnson was a rookie at the pro level, had some at the college level, but – and then you turn around and you get Vic Fangio has been doing this since, I think, uh, the 20th century. So he's been around for a while. And uh, Kellen Moore, even though he's a young guy, this will be his sixth year as an offensive coordinator. So, um, yeah, they, they clearly – and that's generally what happens in the NFL. If something doesn't work, you, you go to the other extreme and they're going with experience and – you know, I said from the start, the one, you know, one of the positives with Vic Fangio is he'll, you know, he's got such a great reputation around the league. He can get um, big-time names to be uh, uh, positional coaches. Uh, guys, you know, they'll wait and see if they could be DCs and everything's filled. The guys like Joe Barry and, and Mike Caldwell, who interviewed, you know, they'll wait and see if they can get a defensive coordinator job. But if not, they'll 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 come on Vic's staff and you saw it with uh Clint Hurd who's a former DC in in Seattle so uh, it's going to be the defensive line coach so um you should have more accomplished people certainly on the defensive side at least yeah I mean uh, I know um Joe Barry was uh being looked at for the linebacking coach I mean these are guys who have coordinator experience I mean so uh it, it is pretty clear that they are looking to get more experience there and more guys uh who can possibly you know have input but uh that that's the advantage I guess of getting a guy like Fangio is that he has the Rolodex he has the contacts and he can has the cachet to bring guys who have coordinator experience and say, hey, come here and work with me, and that's how you get, you know, when people look at a good staff, that's how you build a better staff. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I think it's uh, I think it's good from the uh, aspect of, you know, typically positional coaches are, are working with their guys during the week on technique and fundamentals and, you know, but when you have that all-encompassing view of how it fits in with the defense, and that's where you have an advantage when you have ex-coordinators who are coaching a position, they kind of understand both parts of it. Not only guys got to be up to speed from um, their techniques for their position, but they also got to marry it into the entire defense, and I think they have a better understanding uh, of doing that. John, uh, tell us a little bit about Clint Hurt and how, you know, guys like Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis. I was talking about this last week. You know, 
I don't know. I mean, Vic Fangio obviously runs his style of defense. I'm saying, all right, you've got Jalen Carter. Like, you almost need to start to look at, like, what the Rams did with with Aaron Donald and say, we're going to build our defense around that guy. He's our best player. Let's build the defense around him. Um, I don't know when you look at the defensive line coach, the impact that they have, but I feel like the more and more information we get and the more the years go on, these position coaches become more and more important to the development of these players. So you got two young ones here. How do you think that maybe hurt helps them as opposed to maybe what they weren't getting before? Yeah, I I mean, it's tough to tell when you're talking about position coaches because we don't really get to see that much from the position coaches uh, as reporters and, you know, how they worked uh, on a day-to-day basis. But, uh, you know, when you see guys, their their job is to basically make uh, each player a little bit better than what they would be on their own. Um, so, you know, if you don't have a ton of talent, um, you're never going to be jailing Carter. Uh so it's always a sliding scale, but you want to take each individual player to maybe someplace they can't get on their own. And when you have a a generational talent uh, like Carter, and I, I, I'm not one to use that word. Uh, I, I don't like it. I don't like that term, generational talent. I think people overuse it. I don't think people are overusing it in the case of Jalen Carter. That's uh, how much pure – that's – how much pure skill he has. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think they should build this defense on Jalen Carter. I'm with you 100%. Um, and, and Clint Hurts out here, in a lot of ways, he's got the best job uh, from the position coaches because he's got the most talent. Uh, but some, in some instances, he's got the worst job because there's also the biggest expectations and a sense of urgency. And these guys didn't perform – um, down the stretch, like most of the team, um, and people have speculated with Carter and Davis, Jordan Davis. It was, you know, they they're still trying to find their ways when it comes to the conditioning aspect of it because they didn't play a lot at Georgia because they came at you in waves and they didn't have to. So, um, in the case of Carter, his rookie season clearly hit the rookie wall. In the case of Davis, got a little bit better, uh, but he's not in his second season, but he's not where he should be. So I think that would be step number one to maximize the the potential of those two particular players who are, you know, back-to-back first-round picks. And then we don't even know, remember, you know, last year they set it up, Tracy Rocker was the defensive line coach, Jeremiah Washburn was the edge coach. So if they do it the same way, you know, uh, Clint's not even going to be in charge of players like, like Nolan Smith and Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick. So it depends how they set up, how Vic wants to set up his coaching staff. A lot of, a lot of dominoes still left to fall. All right. Uh, and then Carl Scott as well. It looks like he's going to be in some capacity, whether it's in the secondary uh, or, or as a consultant or something to that effect. But again, some more uh, veteran guys who have been around the league. And we'll see what that means for what they do with this defense moving forward. I mean, if you bring in a guy like Fangio and some more guys. A couple of years ago, the first move they made in free agency was went out and got Hassan Reddick, and then they signed Bradbury, and then they traded for Chauncey Gardner Johnson. They got Kaiser White. So, uh, they went out and made moves on the defensive side of the ball. 
Um, not saying because they got John Gannon in here, uh, the, but the first year he was here, they didn't have a lot of talent on that defense. They saw that, and they were very aggressive. Uh, any indication or thoughts that, all right, I do think they're going to get aggressive, and if so, uh, would they do that in the <clears throat> secondary or linebacker or safety, or do they say, you know what, we're going to go back to our roots and go right back to that defensive line? Well, they're always going to go offensive, defensive line. And Howie's been very honest about that. So if it's, you know, tie, uh, offensive up front, uh, they're going to break the tie <laughs> with offensive or defensive line. Um, and I don't think they're wrong about that. But certainly, you know, I, I think if you think about the 22nd pick, which is where they'll start, obviously Howie can, we know he can move up, move down, all over the place. But, you know the the most glaring need to me is is probably uh, outside corner. So, you know they've been looking for one of them for a while to get younger. They piecemeal that obviously Slay's getting older. Bradbury's coming off a bad season. I think you saw some positive signs from Kaylee Ringo. But if you can get a real young corner, you know people were talking about Jalen Johnson at the trade deadline, Patrick Sertan at the trade deadline. Eagles were very interested in him coming out of the draft uh, in the Devontae Smith year. Um, so, you know, there and, and Vic, by the way, drafted him. Uh, people shouldn't forget that. Or he was part of the process, obviously, as the head coach in Denver. So um, I'm, I'm sure that'll come up again. Uh, Eagles like to make splashy moves, as we know. Uh, yeah, they got to get better on the back seven. I, I think people – you know, who think they, they and I understand it because they've kind of been sold that <clears throat> Vic Fangio is some kind of savior. Hey, I, they got to get better personnel for him to save anything. Let's be honest. Um, any, in your mind, I know you're talking about yesterday, you know, oh, the guys from the Dolphins kick rocks and some people were happy Vic Fangio is gone. But if you're someone on the Eagles now and he is hired, who is excited about this? Well, I think they'll all be excited at first, I think, and, and then it kind of uh, turns to where it's going to go because he's got a history of when he does have talent, putting together very, very good defenses. So, um, you know, anything, if it starts going in a negative direction, you start getting more negative feelings. You know, it, it, I... Like is this the, is this the, style the of defense uh, tailored towards any one position where you're like, oh, this is you know this position should be excited uh, with this hire? Well, in you know, if you look at, at his history in Chicago and, and and San Francisco, Chicago most recently with Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks, so you have the. The, the edge rushers, so Hassan Reddick. But, you know, Hassan Reddick's one of those guys you got to look at because he's going to want a new contract. How are the Eagles going to approach that in the offseason? A lot of difficult decisions to make. Um, Akeem Hicks would be sort of the Jordan Davis role. Um, um, and, and we're going to see how they use Jalen Carter, as you mentioned, because that's such a unique player and, you know, if I had Jalen Carter, I, I, I'm playing him at three technique, but, you know, they play this variable front. You're going to see the five-man front, the four-man front. Uh, so at times he's got to play four-eye technique, which I don't 
think takes full advantage uh, of what Jalen Carter can do, essentially being a, they call it a gap and a half, but it's really a two-gap player instead of just a, a one-gap go-up-the-field guy. So, you know, but the the Rams did it as well, and they kind of tailored it around Aaron Donald. So you you have to hope that, that Vic Fangio kind of does the same thing and sort of, all right, you play your typical scheme, what you want to play, but you also make a little bit of an exception to get Jalen Carter in as many pass rushing situations as possible. All right, so uh, there's a look at some of the new things on the defensive side of the ball. We know Vic Fangio and some more veteran-laden coaches on that side of the ball. Uh, offensively, you said something yesterday that kind of stood out to me, John. Uh, I asked about Kellen Moore and which player might be benefiting the most from him, and you said DeAndre, uh, excuse me, um, Devontae Smith was the guy. You thought that you think they might utilize him more in that CD lamb role there. What does this offense, though, potentially mean for A.J. Brown? Well, I, you know, it, it's Kellen Moore's history is having very effective passing offenses, so I, I don't think you have to worry too much about A.J. I mean, A.J.'s uh, – you know, I, I've said it pretty consistently. He is the best pure football player on the Eagles. Um, he is difficult to deal with. Uh, two consecutive 1,400-yard seasons. So AJ's not one I would worry about. He, he's the type of player that can be effective in any offense um, because he can do so many different things. He can beat you intermediately. He can beat you deep. He's probably the best contested catch receiver in football right now. Um, there's not much he can't do. So any way you want to use him, uh, he, he can handle it. Um, and I, I think the Eagles understand that. Now, there's also the question of when do you extend Devontae Smith? Can you pay both of them? Um there's some issues with, you know, how he reacted uh, at times this season. We'll see how that uh, uh, unfolds as the off season goes on. But as a just as a football player, I mean, that guy's off the charts. Yeah, They're, the Eagles have never had a receiver like him, and that includes uh, Terrell Owens. Thoughts on uh, what this might do for Goddard? I thought, you know, he got lost in the sauce this year. Uh, you know, he had a good year last year. I thought he was a bigger part of the offense. He was just seemingly not a part of the offense at all. Do you anticipate that, you know, the tight end, Kellen Moore, will get Goddard involved more than we saw this year? Yeah, I, I would think so. But, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, Dallas didn't have a great season from a personal standpoint either. Uh, you know, he got hurt again. So, one, he's got to stay healthy. He's got to find a way to stay healthy. He plays very recklessly. So, I think that, that plays into it. You see he won the angry run title twice this year. He's trying to dish out punishment. Maybe he's got to be a little bit more judicious when it comes to that kind of thing uh, to try to stay on the field. He also drops it a little bit too much, which I think would have been cleared up by this point, and it hasn't been. Um, still a very good player, um, and I think he'll have a bounce-back year. But, you know, I, I've always said he's on the cusp of being in the the top three group with, with Kittle and, and Kelsey and Mark Andrews. And now he's kind of falling behind the Sam Laporters of the world, the TJ Hawkinsons of the world. Um, 
So you need a bounce-back season from Dallas Goddard. Part of that is certainly on Dallas. Um, If you were to get a one-on-one with Jalen Hurts right now, do you think he's excited for this? I don't think Jalen's ever excited. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think he's unexcited. I I mean, is he looking at this as, oh, man, this isn't – what I was hoping, I guess he has to have had some input. Like, hey, you interested in Kingsbury, Kellen Moore, I mean, Arthur Smith. Like, there was some intriguing names. I don't know that they had the fans all that juiced up, but if you're the quarterback, I mean, there were some guys that maybe he, he had to have some input on, right? Well, I think if he, he had some, he had any put input, Brian Johnson would still be here. So, I, I mean, I, you know, the word I keep hearing, from the Novacare complex, Jeffrey Lurie wanted to make people a little bit more uncomfortable. He thought, you know, the success maybe uh, gave people, I, I don't want to say, you know, it became a routine and they became comfortable with it. And, you know, there was no urgency because they always thought they were going to, ah, we're going to find a way to win because they always found a way to win. You know, I think he wanted to, make Nick Sirianni a little bit uncomfortable and he wanted to make Jalen Hurts a little bit uncomfortable and we'll see how it works out and if they respond to it. But as far as I think he would have, you know, I think if it were up to him, Brian Johnson would still be here. So, um, you know, the Eagles are certainly not kowtowing to Jalen Hurts. Um, you know, just from the standpoint of how they've coached in the past, I think King, Kingsbury would have been a, a, a better fit, you know, but if you look at it from the standpoint of evolving and you want to get Jalen Hurts under center a little bit more, you want him to get him to understand hot routes a little bit better. Uh, Kellen Moore has been successful with that kind of stuff in other places. So if you look at it from that standpoint, uh, maybe it's a good thing from Jalen Hurts. Yeah, looking forward to uh, what this offseason brings. The NFL draft, by the way, Eagles got a lot of draft capital there early. I think people kind of forget they made that trade two years ago with the Saints to get an extra second-round pick. So now they got, what, 50 and 53. They've got 22. Uh, so they do have uh, the ability to be kind of creative, it seems like, on draft day or just add three of the top you know, 55 players. Yeah, I think they got to get a little bit younger and they got to add bodies. And, you know, the key is they got to hit on them. Uh, You know, you look at, um, you know, Detroit this year and their draft. um, It's just off the charts if you think about their success. A lot of people criticized them for taking Gibbs too early. Uh, Jack Campbell, off the linebacker. And by the way, people criticized them for taking Gibbs when Carter was available, saying, hey, what would their defensive yeah. look like with Carter there? Yeah, and 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 remember they they got Branch as well and and Laporta as well, so they had a home run uh, on the draft, and that's kind of what the Eagles need to do, and it, it proves you can do it. But you know, you look at this year, and obviously Carter. I think you know, I think people over Carter was great for the vast majority. Yes. He needs to improve his conditioning, but he was a home run as the ninth overall pick. And, you know, but Nolan Smith was not at number 30. Uh, so you have to, you know, if you think about where the lines got Branch and where the lines got Laporta, you got to get more substantive 
stuff in those second picks, 50 and 54, I think. So, um, and we'll see how they how that how they do it. But they have to get younger. Uh, they have to get more athletic, more speed on the field. Uh, and they need to hit on some of these picks pretty pretty early. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Uh, you look back. I hate doing that. The whole like, oh man. But uh, you look at Nolan Smith where he was picked, and then uh, Brian Branch not too far later. Hindsight always twenty twenty. But man, getting Branch at that Nolan Smith spot. Sounds a lot better today than maybe we talked about when they made the pick because it was like, you got another Georgia guy who's a pass runner. What are you going to do? They were thinking about him early, and now you're watching the year play out, and Branch seems like a player, and Smith is up in the air. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, it's probably not fair. And, I, I, you know, people like to do that and put – there's no guarantee Brian Branch is the same player here as he was in Detroit and vice versa. That's always true. Anybody, so. Yeah, the, the always, you know, plucking guys in one situation, put them in the, another and assuming they'll be the exact same player. Uh, but, you know, the Eagles had so many issues in the slot. And it, you know, but, again, they're not going to play Brian Branch the same way. You know, Detroit blitzes off the edge a lot. He does a lot of different things. The Eagles use the Fangio scheme, and they need coverage safeties. So it's not the same. It's never, I, I don't. You, right. you can't just assume the, a player is going to be used in the same way. The Kyle Hamilton over Jordan Davis, right? Well, exactly. I mean, Kyle Hamilton's a phenomenal player, um, but you know he wouldn't be used the way he's used in Baltimore here in this particular scheme. Which you know you might even not know who Hamilton is because they'd have him in coverage, and that's an indictment of the scheme um, and the coaches. If you do stuff like that, if you get a player like that, you should. And that's what I hope the Eagles do with because uh, he's kind of the safety version of Jalen Carter at defensive tackle. He's he's different. He's special. Um, and if you're going to waste him in coverage and quarters and, and cover two and cover three, that's kind of a waste. But that's what we've seen with Philadelphia. They're pretty much married to the scheme and hopefully – Vic adapts it a little bit. John McMullen, everybody. Of course, uh, tomorrow morning, Birds 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. You can check that out weekdays at 8 a.m. And, of course, they got plenty more Eagles conversation there. And uh, Miguel will be there tomorrow. 8.20. Yeah, I will be, is it 8.20 tomorrow? Or am I getting bumped to the 9 o'clock hour? No, 8.20. 8.20. Fresh and so get that iron T-shirt, Mike Gill. <laughs> I will make sure the T-shirt is re- – actually, I might pull out a polo tomorrow for you just to ah, throw yeah, a little curveball. It's kind of chilly out. That's understandable. <laughs> All right, man. We'll talk Gotta to you. get then. a collar. <laughs> All right. See you, Mike. Mike, uh, of course, uh, John McMullen here talking bird. Thanks for listening to Believe in Eagles right here on the Believe Network. Don't forget, like, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast feed for the very best in Eagles coverage right here on the Believe in Eagles Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.